He knows his stuff and sure enough it's shooting the bull with Tom Snow. Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of Shooting the Bull with Tom Snow. I'm your host Tom Snow and today we'll be doing an episode on the yellow fever pandemic. So sometime last year I'm, I made an episode where I compared the Spanish flu to COVID-19 and now I'm going to be doing the same thing with the infamous yellow fever pandemic of 1793. So let's get started. So what is yellow fever? So yellow fever comes from tropical climates such as Africa or South America, but can really spread anywhere. How can you catch it? So it is spread by mosquitoes and people can only get it by being bitten by an infected mosquito. Let me repeat that. You can only get yellow fever from mosquitoes, not from people. How can you prevent getting yellow fever? So if you worry about getting yellow fever, I have good news for you. You can prevent getting yellow fever by getting a vaccine and also wearing a lot of insect repellent. So let's talk real quickly about yellow fever in the 18th century. So yellow fever was a constant problem in the 18th century as ships from South, uh, sorry, ships from Africa and the Caribbean would transmit the virus to cities in North America including the lovely city of Philadelphia. So that takes us to the yellow fever epidemic of 1793. So the yellow fever epidemic of 1793 took place in Philadelphia between August and November of 1793. At the time, Philadelphia was the capital of the United States and the largest city. It had about 50,000 residents and most people live in what is now Old City. So for those of you who do not, who are familiar with Philadelphia but might not know the neighborhoods very well, Old City was basically Front Street to 7th Street and, Se and Chestnut Street to Vine Street. So it's a, a lot of people packed in a very densely populated area. It was also one of the nation's largest seaports and with ships coming in from around the world. So let's ask another question, how did the fever originate? So we don't really have an answer to that question. Many historians believe that it was the result of people immigrating to Philadelphia from Haiti in the spring of 1793. Now most of these immigrants were French colonists who were fleeing the famous slave revolt known as the Haitian Revolution. Haitian Revolution is probably the most successful slave revolt in the history of the world. Now these ships are also bringing mosquitoes from the Caribbean with them, making this a very plausible answer. Other people believe that it came from one of the many boats um, carrying goods from west, the west coast of Africa to Philadelphia. Either, um, either scenario is very uh, plausible. Now let's talk about the spread of the virus. So the first two people to die were a young girl from Ireland and another immigrant from Haiti. Over the next few weeks, infections went up and the city began to panic. Most wealthy people decided to leave the city altogether. President George Washington decided to pack up for a late summer vacation at Mount Vernon. Other wealthy residents decided to retreat to their summer estates in suburban areas such as Germantown, Fairmount, or Mount Airy. It is easy to compare this to 2020 when people left hot spots like New York City as long as they had the means to do so. The city's poor and working class did not have the luxury and were stuck in the increasingly dangerous city. By September, it only got harder as people were forbidden to enter or leave the city unless under certain circumstances. Now let's talk about some of the more important characters of the yellow fever epidemic. 
So probably the most important and the most famous character was a guy by the name of Benjamin Rush. He's going to be the heroic, if somewhat controversial, doctor in the story. So Benjamin Rush is considered America's forgotten founding father. He signed the Declaration of Independence and was the Surgeon General of the Continental Army during the American Revolution. He was also a leading pioneer in medicine and mental health. When the fever broke out, he was called upon to treat many of his victims and come up with a solution. When many doctors fled the city, Rush decided to stay behind to take care of those who could not leave. He did this at the risk of his own health and even contracted and recovered from the virus himself. This selfless bravery made him a hero in the eyes of the people of Philadelphia. Dr. Benjamin Rush insisted that the yellow fever was caused by rancid coffee beans contaminating the, summer hum contaminating the humid summer air. Well, this was not correct, it was spread by mosquitoes. He was right about one thing, and that was that the virus cannot be spread via human to human. This was a very important contribution as many people had begun to blame newly arrived immigrants for spreading the, the disease. And that's not too different to what Asian American communities sadly had to go through during the COVID-19 pandemic. To stop the spread of yellow fever, Dr. Rush suggested that, that sanitation crews scrub the city's streets, sewers, and docks every day. He also suggested that people empty and clean their chamber pots more frequently and eat less meat in the summertime. Another suggestion that he made was wearing a cloth dipped in vinegar around one's face when, being, when they are near a sick person, and also keeping your distance from anyone outside of your household. A few remedies that some of us might be familiar with with COVID-19. Now, some of, his some of his treatment of patients, however, might have actually done more harm than good. Like many doctors of his time, Benjamin Rush was a huge advocate of bloodletting to purge a patient of contaminated blood. So what he would do is basically cut a make a cut in a patient's arm to make basically a leak of blood and then put leeches on that leak to suck out all the bad blood. Now that was a very bad treatment based on very bad medical knowledge. There is no such thing as contaminated blood and depriving a sick person of blood is also, as far as I know, not a very good way to treat people. Many historians argue that more people died of the bloodletting than they did of actual yellow fever. It is only fair to Dr. Rush that I admit that bloodletting was a common medical practice during the 18th century, and that was the result of bad medical knowledge of the time as opposed to any fault on Dr. Rush. But nevertheless, Dr. Rush was attacked by political enemies, many of whom called him, quote, a quack, a murderer, and in some cases, a lunatic. I also want to highlight the African-American involvement in the yellow fever pandemic. So Dr. Benjamin Rush and many other doctors in the city of Philadelphia also thought that African-Americans were immune to the yellow fever based on previous cases in the South. Pennsylvania had recently passed the Gradual Emancipation Act, which gradually ended, this, ended slavery in Pennsylvania, but the city still had a very large free African-American community. So Dr. Benjamin Rush was a noted abolitionist and was friends with many of the city's black religious leaders including Absalom Jones and Richard Allen. Together, the three of them convinced many free African-Americans to serve as nurses, car drivers, coffin makers, and grave diggers. Unfortunately, Rush was also wrong in his assessment that African-Americans were immune, 
as somewhere between two to 400 African-Americans died of the disease that year. Again, no bad intentions on Dr. Rush, but lack of medical insights. Uh, two other very important characters in the yellow fever epidemic were Stephen Gerard and Matthew Clarkson. So Matthew Clarkson was mayor of Philadelphia from 1792 to 1796. And like Dr. Rush, Mary Clarkson stayed behind to serve an increasingly panicked community in Philadelphia while most of the city's leaders fled to their summer homes. So Mary Clarkson organized a committee of some of the city's most wealthy individuals to organize a hospital to treat people who contracted yellow fever. So Philadelphia was home to the nation's first hospital, that is the Pennsylvania Hospital, and that still exists today. Unfortunately, the Pennsylvania Hospital refused to admit patients with contagious diseases, which people thought yellow fever was. In hindsight, they were wrong. Yellow fever is not contagious. So Dr. Clarkson and his community decided to purchase the home of Andrew Hamilton, who was not related to Alexander Hamilton. And the Hamilton home was on Bush Hill, which was located on what is now 18th Street and Spring Garden, just north of Center City. To manage the hospital, Clarkson selected the city's most successful businessman, Stephen Gerard. So Stephen Gerard immigrated to Philadelphia from France and became a very successful banker and merchant. He was also a very noted philanthropist and one of the city's most popular citizens. Now, not only did Gerard stay behind when so many wealthy citizens fled, he also personally went over to the hospital at Bushell every day to care for the city's sick patients. He was convinced that the yellow fever was not contagious, but still the fact that such a rich man risked his life to care for the city's most vulnerable people shocked everyone that witnessed his bravery. Thanks to Gerard's management, the hospital became a very highly functional institute that saved hundreds if not thousands of lives. So you might be wondering how did this horrible epidemic end? So as cold weather approached, most of the mosquitoes began to die off and the virus gradually began to die off with it. So by November, there are no more cases and life in Philadelphia gradually began to return to normal. Records indicate that 5,000 people died in Philadelphia between August and November of that year, most of whom likely died of yellow fever. That is out of a city of 50,000 people. Now let's talk about the social consequences because like COVID-19, yellow fever, uh, the yellow fever pandemic took a toll on the way people acted towards one another as well as their trust towards medical and political figures. Richard Allen, one of the city's um, African-American leaders, noted that he saw many people encounter their friends or neighbors in the streets and simply walked the other way without so much as a wave. Allen also noted that he saw many things that made him lose faith in humanity, which is something that many of us have probably said in the past couple of years. When the fever first broke out, people were blaming immigrants from Haiti and other Caribbean islands. In fact, the city even passed a law requiring travelers from the Caribbean to quarantine for three weeks. Even more tragically, citizens began to ostracize the African Americans who risked their lives to serve the community. Many people accuse these brave people of taking advantage of the situation to make money and take jobs away from their white neighbors. This was a ridiculous accusation as many people were avoiding those jobs like they were, well, the plague, no pun intended. Now, where there is social consequences, there's also going to be political consequences. 
So just like we saw with COVID-19, people in the 18th century found a way to politicize the yellow fever pandemic. This is a time where the nation had its first two political parties, the Federalists led by Alexander Hamilton and the Democratic Republicans led by Thomas Jefferson. Alexander Hamilton and his wife Eliza both got yellow fever. They went back home to Albany and were treated as outcasts by the city's people. Their doctor prescribed a much different treatment than Dr. Rush's. Their doctor's name was Edward Stevens and he recommended that the Hamiltons take cold baths and just basically rest a lot. The treatment worked and the Hamilton's doctor published his treatment in a local newspaper. This triggered a debate between Stevens and Rush who basically called each other fake doctors. As we saw during the COVID-19 pandemic, when doctors give us different contradicting advice, things start to get a little political. So the Stevens cure became known as the Federalist cure, while Dr. Rush's cure became known as the Republican cure. Let's wrap this episode up by like kind of pointing out the big facts of the yellow fever epidemic. So the epidemic was a truly devastating chapter in the history of Pennsylvania, or I'm sorry, the history of Philadelphia. So up to 10% of the city's population passed away in a span of about four to five months. Now, lack of medical knowledge led to doctors prescribing treatments that may have done more harm than good. And let's look at some of the most important characters of the story. We have Dr. Benjamin Rush, the heroic doctor who risked his life to treat thousands of people infected with yellow fever. You also have Steven Gerrard, the wealthy banker who also risked his life to manage the city's only quarantine hospital. If you live in Philadelphia and are ever driving on Gerrard Boulevard and are wondering where the name came from, you now have your answer. And also, let's pay homage to the city's African-American community who took up dangerous jobs on the false pretense that they were immune to yellow fever. Hundreds of these brave people died, and others were scapegoated by angry white citizens looking for someone to be simply angry at. So just like COVID-19, yellow fever had some pretty drastic social and political consequences, most of which were not positive. And that wraps up today's episode of Strewing the Bowl. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and please catch me next time. Until then, take care. He knows his stuff, and sure enough, it's shooting the bowl.